Hola, bonjour, hello. Let me ask you a question. Do you think it's possible to have a word language class where instead of teaching the language, the rules, and the vocab, you and your students use the language to enjoy learning about each other and the world? I hope your answer is a big yes, because that's exactly what you will discover inside Growing with Proficiency, the podcast. My name is Claudia Elliott, a Spanish teacher born and raised in Colombia, who is as passionate as you are to support our learners to grow in their proficiency and cultural competence. My goal is that in this podcast, you find clarity, strategies, ideas, and inspiration that you can bring into your classroom the next day. Are you ready? Get comfortable while I grab my cafecito colombiano and let's start this conversation now. Hola, bonjour, hello. Welcome to a new episode of Growing with Proficiency, the podcast. So today's topic is textbooks. I know we all have different feelings about our textbooks and different relationships with them. But what I have seen consistently in the last few years is the struggle that some of us have when we start learning about the principles of second language acquisition and want to blend those principles with our textbooks. So if you are there right now, this is the episode for you. This episode will have two parts. In the first part, I will share with you four ways you can make some adjustments to your textbook to better align with the principles of second language acquisition. And in the second part next week, I will answer your questions. Yeah, that's right. I want you to send me all your questions about this topic because I know our realities and contexts are very different. So I want you to have the opportunity to ask your particular questions. Okay, so Before I start, I'm going to tell you a little bit about what happened with my personal story with textbooks. When I started teaching Spanish, I didn't have many tools. I only have my textbook. And I follow my textbook page by page. And that was the best I could do at that point. But soon I start understanding that I wanted more, that I needed more, that my students really needed more than that if our goal was to develop proficiency. So I start learning about second language acquisition. And when I did that, I found that there was a big misalignment between what I have in my textbook and I was I was learning. And that's when I started doing a ton of attempts to blend both. And it was hard. And that's why I'm creating this podcast for you. Because what I want to do is I want to give you four ideas of how you can blend your textbook with principles of second language acquisition. Now, I think that in order to do that with less frustration, I think it's really important that we have clarity on those principles. And I'm not going to spend a ton of time today going over those because I think I have covered many of these principles throughout this year in the podcast. And if you want to know more, I want you to listen to episode 39, 38, 39, 40, and 41 with a series of interviews that I had to Dr. Karen Lishman, Dr. Diane Newber, and Dr. Florencia Henshaw about principles of second language acquisition. I I think you're going to love to listen to those because I think that is the clarity that we need to make the decisions and be okay with those decisions because sometimes we go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I think we do that because we have a little bit, 
not totally clear understanding of those principles. Okay, so now let's talk about the uh, how we can really have this blend, if it's possible, or at least a better alignment of our textbook with the principles of second language acquisition. Okay, so number one is we need to start with input and add personalization. One of the pitfalls of some textbooks is the focus that they have on producing the language. Now, if you look at the verse in many of the activities and the goals of units in textbooks, they all or they mainly relate to production. They say at the end of this chapter, students will be able to describe, tell, write, discuss, and some of the activities use the same verse that are focusing on producing the language. And we know that first, input needs to precede output. But also, and more important, input is the data that learners need to acquire the language. Therefore, one of the first adjustments that we can make is to start with input, to start with comprehensible input. Now, how can we do that? We could look at the text that are already included in your units, and you can select one that you think will provide the best input for your students. Now, you can expand that input by doing something that many textbooks don't incorporate very well, and that is personalization. So we can identify the text and we can use it in class and ask a ton of PQAs, personalized questions and answers. So we expand on the text, but also we connect it with our learners. Now, we know, because we have been talking a ton lately in this text, in this podcast, that we don't only read or listen the text and move on. We do more than that. We really need to understand the importance of exploiting this text and help our students engage with that input in different ways to deepen their comprehension. In episode 51, I share with you more than nine activities that we can do before, during, and after reading the text. See how everything is coming together? Now you have a text about your unit. We can personalize the text and then we can deepen the comprehension of the text by creating opportunities where students engage with that text in different ways. Now, I will give you an example. In one textbook for level 2, there is a unit about nature. In that unit, there is a chart with an illustration that shows the results of a survey in Colombia asking about the biggest or the most serious problems of the environment in Colombia, and that was related to celebration of Mother Earth. Now, we can use that chart and we can say, okay, my goal, the goal of my students reading this is to identify what are the biggest problems uh, in the environment in Colombia based on this survey. But then we want to not only understand that, but compare that with our community. So we can create a few pre-reading activities for that chart where we activate prior knowledge and focus on key words to add to the linguistic knowledge of the students. After that, we can present the chart and ask PQS to our students. We can say, 
which one of these five problems do you think is the biggest environmental problem in our city? Or what about in our school? A, a school? And then we talk about trash because that was one of the problems that shows in the survey and say, oh, let's talk about trash. Do you think that our students put trash in the trash can in the cafeteria? Why do we have enough trash cans? And then when we're talking about contamination of air, which is another problem, we say, okay, what are the factors that contribute more to pollute the air? And we can talk about cars and then we can say, so who drives to school? Ooh, would you use a bike instead? See, we're not only extending the input, we are adding a ton of repetition, but also we're connecting with our students and we're using the resources, including in my unit, in my textbook. And we're talking about the topic of the unit, which is the environment and the nature. Okay. So that is the first thing that we can do. Now, second step is we need to restructure the sequence of the activities. And this is very, very important. We add, we need to add a communicative goal for the activities. Now, most textbooks have a PPP model, presentation, practice, and production. And that model focuses on practicing language and it doesn't center on communication. And communication is at the center of our classes because is the input embedded in a communicative event that is going to give us the data that is the comprehensive input that we want. But what is communication? So according to Dr. Vilvan Patton, a communication is interpretation, expression, expression, and sometimes negotiation of meaning for a purpose. So when we have all these activities in our textbooks, we need to just give them a communicative purpose. And also we need to remember that input precedes output. So when we're looking at these activities in the textbook, we may need to rearrangement and really focus on input a ton. And then we move to the other modes of communication, which is interpersonal and presentational. Now, uh, let's talk about the chart. Now, when we did our chart for the environment, we work on the chart, we present the chart, we personalize the chart, we answer questions about the chart. We do a lot of activities around input to understand the problems of the environment. Then we look at activities included in the book and then we adjust them. We have to be creative. And here it is a very important thing. We cannot be afraid to eliminate a ton of activities. Now, let's think about the interpersonal and presentational. If my goal, and I'm going to go back, back to my example because I think it just makes it more actionable and more, um, I don't know, clear. If my goal is that we can compare the problems of the environment, I will have a students to brainstorm what are some of the problems that our community face in terms of the environment. Then we can create a survey for our own class. We can then have a students do an interpersonal activity where they survey the class gather data and create their own chart to identify the most serious environmental problems in our community. So see the difference? There is a clear communicative goal here. We want to find out what the biggest environmental problems in our community are. And then finally, we can do a cultural comparison as a presentational. So this is how we can go from input to output focusing on communication by giving each activity a clear, a clear purpose different from practicing language. Whew. 
I hope that that would just give you like a good vision of how you can use your textbook and make some adjustment. Okay, but that's not enough because we need to go to my number three idea that is focus on frequency. This is the reality. We have textbooks with long, very long lists of vocab. And some of those words are very infrequent and not really relevant. So what we need to do instead is focus on the language that is both frequent and relevant for our students. Now, it is very important that we understand that one interaction with a word is not enough for acquisition. To truly acquire the language, there must be multiple interactions in different contexts. Therefore, it's not effective to attempt to teach all the words from the vocabulary that most units have. So again, we cannot be afraid to eliminate some words or if you need to include some words in some type of document, what we can do is maybe we can create like a table and one column with essential, must, uh, focus words and put there the most frequent and relevant words and then leave the rest like, okay, nice to have or just to, to for your information or in case you need it in a way that we're focusing our attention and the attention of our students in those words. Now, the list is just a list. The most important part is to use those words in different contexts throughout the unit and give them enough repetition for our students to acquire the language. Okay, let's go with our last one. And our last one cannot be anything but grammar. I know. So can we talk about grammar? I don't know. Okay. So to talk about grammar, I like to quote this statement from uh, the book of Common Ground by Dr. Florencia, Florencia Henshaw and Marys Hawkins. They say learners use input to, mo- to make for meaning connection. And that applies to both vocab and grammar. So what we need to kind of like be, be okay is that if we provide enough and abundant input, comprehensible input to our students, that those grammar instructions will also be acquired. However, I understand that sometimes we feel, can we just notice the patterns a little bit so we help to language development? Now, the research is not clear about if it works, if it doesn't work. However, what is kind of evident is that the traditional approach to grammar teaching is not effective, is not useful for language acquisition. So what can we do instead? I like to, um, again, Dr. Florencia Henshu in episode 41 talk about structure input activities. And that structure input activities are focused on form. And I'm going to quote again common, common grounds. So form focus instruction is an umbrella term to, re- to refer to any pedagog- pedagogical effort to draw learners' attention to language, either implicitly or explicitly. But focus on form, singular, is when the language is viewed as a tool to express meaning. Okay, so that I like that. And attention to grammar happens while communicating. And that's what makes it different. So this structure input activity is, is not really grammar instruction in the traditional way that I at least understand grammar instruction with this 
ton of practice and drilling is more activities where we draw the attention of our learners to some patterns or maybe a pattern, a form, but it is embedded in, the, there is communication, there is meaning attached. And I think that it, it can be useful. And if you want to know more about that, I want you to go back and listen to episode 41. And I think that can be somehow how we can adjust the grammar sections of our unit, where we focus on form, not on forms, and we don't provide the whole grammar structure, but we just pay attention to some specific form that we want to address in a specific unit when we are also focusing on communication and, of course, on meaning. Okay, so I just hope that this episode gave you some good ideas and, like, lessen the frustration that sometimes we face when we're trying to do both. We really want to be aligned with principles of second language acquisition, but we also have a textbook and we want to do both. So maybe this was helpful. And let's recap. So let's, we're going to identify, we're going to start with input and we're going to identify a source of input in our textbook. We're going to personalize it with PQAs and we are going to expand, creating plenty of opportunities to have our students engage with that input. Then when instead of doing the PPP model, which is presentation practice and production model, we are going to restructure our activities and we're going to really start from input going to output and also add that communicative goal to those activities where we're focusing on communication, on meaning and not on practicing language. Then we're going to prioritize frequent and relevant vocab. We're going to reduce that vocab list to words that are frequent and that are relevant for our students. And then if there is a need for grammar instruction, we can use instead structure input activities as we explained it or Dr. Florencia and show explained it in episode 41. Okay, I just really hope that this episode gave you the ideas that you were looking for. And if you have any questions, I want you to send them to me. I want you to tag me in social media or send me a DM at Claudia M. Elliot, either in Instagram or Facebook with your questions, or you can email them to me at Claudia at growingwithproficiency.com. And also, if you want to see kind of like a sequence of what I was trying to explain today in this episode, uh, you can grab a resource that I created a few years ago when I was talking about uh, my unit of the house. So it was the house unit in my textbook and I just created this story and I added some activities to kind of like do this cycle from input to output with activities that were focusing on meaning. And you can grab that free resource at growingwithproficiency.com forward slash CASA, C-A-S-A. And you can find the link also in my show notes. Okay, that's it for today. I hope that you have a great rest of the week and nos vemos pronto. Ciao, ciao.